don't think that I would ever think of myself as uh, as, as quite achieving that, as, as a wise person. I am a person pursuing wisdom. Welcome to the Own Wisdom Podcast with Igor Grossman and Charles Cassidy. Over the next half an hour, we'll be dissecting the latest research from the emerging field of wisdom science. We'll discuss what it means for each of us and for society in terms of reasoning and living more wisely in the 21st century. Today, we have another amazing guest, Eilert Fishback is the Jeffrey Breckenridge Keller Professor of Behavioral Science and Marketing and IBM Corporation Faculty Scholar at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. She studies social psychology and management and consumer behavior. She's a recognized expert on motivation and decision-making. Angela Duckworth, a friend of mine, said on Islet, I don't know anyone, scientist or otherwise, who knows more than Islet Fishback about the psychology of goals. She's also the author of the book, Get It Done, Surprising Links from the Science of Motivation. And it is on this topic that you brought in Islet to talk to us, both about wisdom and about the science of motivation. Okay, so I was just going to ask before Islet, before we got into the, um, the, the technical stuff, um, just let's imagine a scenario. So you are on a plane and you know sometimes you're in the mood for a bit of a chat and you, the person next to you finds out that you study self-regulation and they share that they have tried numerous times with various diets and they failed to achieve any of their goals and they ask for your advice. Um, so what would be the first piece of advice you would offer to that person? I would ask what is the healthy food that they will enjoy eating. Mm. Uh, I would basically uh, uh, try to get the person to design a diet that is intrinsically uh, motivating, that is uh, fun, that's exciting, that they uh, will enjoy the, the food. Uh, I have a research showing that uh, people, particularly in our culture, perceive a conflict between uh, uh, eating something healthy and eating something uh, uh, tasty. And mm. we, we need to change that perception. We need to uh, teach ourselves and uh, the people that are important for us that healthy food is tasty and often it requires some exploration. Right. I, found, I mean, I found out that I really, really love bananas. Which is good because I do come across people who seem to just really like vegetables and I'm kind of envious of them because they crave things that happen to be really good for them. But I did recently find bananas. It's like a treat for me. So no, it's no struggle to eat a banana. So something along those lines. Yeah. So and I know it's interesting that you mentioned vegetables in a recent study with Brad Turnwald here. We found that when we ask people to envision vegetables, let's say envision carrots, what they envision is not something that is very tasty. They envision mm. that the carrot directly from the ground. It still mm. has the the leaves and, uh, and and a bit of soil on it. Uh, whereas when we ask people to envision a burger, they envision it in a bun with a ah. pickle, with a ketchup, with a mustard. It's, it's a very uh, different representation. And, and so um, I would beg to differ that you probably like some vegetables or at least prepared in a certain way. But when you envision a raw onion, well... <laughs> True. Not, not many people like that. I can imagine, yeah, roasted vegetables, you know, with a few herbs on them, uh, a little bit of oil. That, that, I never think of that when someone says vegetables, but that's that's a much better way to go. Eilid, I have a follow-up question. So imagine this person that is next to you on the plane says, 
well, you know, I just fail at this. And it's so horrible, such a horrible experience. And then they turn to you and say, so how would you react if you fail at something like that? So what would Islet Fishback respond to that? Uh, well, uh, you know, failing is a learning opportunity. When you uh, you fail, there is something to to learn. There is uh, some uh, uh, new information. So, I would have two reactions for this. Uh, uh, first, I would ask uh, uh, for the the details, okay? Because you know, your definition of failure might be a, a very different than what it, it actually means to to fail. I recently had a conversation with someone who said that she feels like a failure, that I'm quoting here. Uh, She feels like a failure uh, because uh, after quitting smoking for 20 years during the pandemic, she went back to to smoking. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, here's someone who was able to quit smoking for 20 years. I would that's a success, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that would be my first reaction. Like, let's actually look at, at the facts and let's see that uh, uh, th- that you truly see that as a failure and not as a as a setback in a, a long streak of successes. And uh, uh, and then really, uh, uh, what have you learned? How how did you grow from the experience? Uh, what uh, uh, what this taught you? Uh, Hopefully there are some uh, uh, good lessons there. Uh, maybe not. You right. know, maybe you just had bad luck, so just try again. But maybe you actually learn about one of the ways in which this is not going to work for you. So this leads me to the next question. So our podcast is on wisdom, and failure is often associated with, well, if you learn something from it, with wisdom. But wisdom can mean many things. So Eilid, what does it mean to you? For instance, is there anything about wisdom you think that may be overlooked or perhaps counterintuitive? Well, what might be counterintuitive, at least for for some, is that you think about wisdom as a destination. You achieve uh, wisdom, you become wise. And uh, I think about it more as a, as a process, as a, as pursuit. You you pursue uh, uh, wisdom. Uh, hopefully, you are smarter to day uh, than you were uh, last week or, uh, you know, last year. Hopefully you have learned something, but I, I don't think that I would ever think of myself as uh, as, as quite achieving that, as, as a wise person. I am a person pursuing wisdom. I mean, you know, I like this because uh, it is true that when I, for instance, give a talk on wisdom, uh, people say, well, this thing that you mean, this is wise. I don't think this is wise. Let me tell you why. Because my grandma, and then it goes in some kind of direction. <laughs> but they always want to talk about outcomes. And there's so little appreciation of the process, just like you talk about. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, uh, when we think about the, the kind of life that we want to have is, uh, is a life of progress, is a life of, uh, of learning. Uh, often when people say that something is already uh, known, like, the, you know, the, your grandma uh, knew that or their grandma uh, knew that, uh, what it means is that we don't want to talk about it anymore. We don't want to, to engage in this topic. And this might be a very right. fundamental issue uh, for them, right? So, yes, my, my grandma knew a ton about racism, and I will not get into her uh, personal uh, history. Uh, this is still a fascinating and, and you know, often disturbing uh, uh, topic for us to, to study and to uh, get insights and to better understand, to better change. 
I'm going to go for a more specific question. Some, something I suppose practical, like you know, imagine situation when what, someone would like to know uh, one thing that they could do that would help them make wiser decisions. And we're you know it's, we're limiting it on purpose, but like what, what might be one thing that you could recommend people do that you think would lead to wide wiser decisions? Oh gosh, it's always hard when you are asked to name one, one thing. thing. Right. <laughs> uh, given that I, you only allow one answer, let me go yeah. with considering making this decision uh, 100 times. Okay. Basically, uh, what I encourage you to do is think about a wide uh, decision frame. So uh, this is not the decision about uh, whether to call in sick and skip work uh, just uh, today, okay, assuming that I'm not actually sick. Mm-hmm. This is about whether I would do it 100 times. Okay, mm-hmm. And, you know, I sometimes, like everybody, uh, feel uh, lazy, but I don't want to think about myself as someone who would deceive 100 times or, uh, you know, where uh, we started with uh, the diet uh, example, uh, you are tempted to to eat something that you really shouldn't or drink something that you really uh, shouldn't. So instead of making this decision right now for today, uh, decide whether to uh, make it 100 times. Uh, There is really nice research on this uh, wide decision frame showing that when you ask people to make the same decision several times, this is when they make a better decision, decision that takes Mm -hmm. the the long term uh, uh, into account. You know, one study that yeah. comes to my mind is by uh, uh, Abby Sussman here at uh, the University of Chicago, who asked consumers right. to envision making the same purchase decision many times this year. So mm-hmm. whether it was uh, going to the theater or uh, staying in a hotel room, or I think one of her uh, products was champagne, okay, buying champagne. Think about every time that you would like to do it this year. Uh, that led people to spend less money on these items compared with just thinking about doing it once. So they were more more financially responsible when they considered making the same decision several times. That's really interesting because if you're making it once, you can say, this isn't really me, but this is an exception. But if you're making it a hundred times, then it sort of needs to align with your deeper values. So it's not an exception anymore (laughs) if you're doing something a hundred times. So it almost seems like it would bring it into focus what you really really care about exactly okay so the implication for the self and for mm. your identity mm. are not much if you mm. just think about right. it one right you, you might not even remember you might not even notice right. also that uh, the impact of the action itself okay? they, right. you know one cookie is not sure. going to and they uh, make you gain weight. One cigarette doesn't make a, a smoker. And spending too much money one day okay, will not uh, make you broke. So it's really uh, easier to see the impact of what we sometimes refer to as epsilon temptation uh, when you multiply it by 100. That's fascinating. Could it, could it lead to, um, you know, because there's this whole thing about everything in moderation, including moderation. You know, could... Could it lead to a, a joyless existence where you never allow yourself a cookie? <laughs> not asking for me personally. It's just for a friend, obviously, not me. Yeah, but exactly right. So, so philosophically, yes. Okay, philosophically, if you always uh, worry about the long run, then you never live in the present, and that means that you mm. uh, you will never do what's good for you now because you always choose what's good for you uh, in the future. Practically. 
we don't usually worry about people being too future oriented. Right, <laughs> we, right. <laughs> but most of us are too present oriented. And so if you if you end up worrying so much about the future so that you don't enjoy the, the present, then uh, you know, let's have a separate discussion. But right. people, most of the time, that's not the, the issue. We are, <laughs> we are humans. Okay? We are like all animals. Okay? We care about the present. It's hard to, to think about the long-term implications of our actions. Makes total sense. And also, I can't grill you too hard on it. We did say only one thing. And I can't then say, well, you haven't considered all these other things because that was embedded in the question. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so I have another question here. Um, so we talk about the individual level processes. We talk about, you know, what could you do to help you? But often we have issues that are larger than us, structural issues, issues that concern our communities, that concern our societies. So I let now a big picture, really big picture question. What could we change on a structural level about our communities that you think could lead us to make wiser decisions as a society? Um, I, I would stay uh, with the idea that uh, if we want decisions to be better, we want these decisions to uh, go beyond the present. Okay? We want these decisions to to impact our life now and into the future in a positive way. And if that the goal is to make decisions that are good for us in the long run, then my suggestion would be to make them in advance, uh, in in a way uh, to pre-commit ourselves as a as society, as individuals, by uh, uh, making a decision uh, to the future, making a decision to do something that is hard to do uh, uh, right now, uh, scheduling it to the future. It's still going to be hard in the future, but we already uh, committed ourselves to uh, to do it. Okay, and uh, you know, one, one example is uh, any. Uh, uh, big uh, construction project. Okay? Yeah, these things are our scheduled uh, years in advance because no one with their right mind uh, would start a, a big construction uh, project uh, tomorrow. Okay, But it's okay for uh, my city or my state or my government to uh, decide to do that uh, in the future. Mm-hmm. And uh, often that's a, that's a good uh, decision. This is uh, investing in our... Uh, long-term and well. You know, we appreciate the little bit of time to talk about the broader wisdom questions. And I now wanted to ask um, some questions more based on um, the work you've done around goals. So um, there's so much work you've done in terms of how people can meet goals that they've set for themselves but like just kind of going back to the bit before that like um do you have any thoughts about how we can make sure we're picking the right goals in the first place i think that this is a really important question i uh I actually start my my book at Idan with the the story of uh, a group of mountaineers who chose the wrong goal. Okay, their, their goal was to get to the summit of Mount Everest on a bad weather day. Uh, this is uh, a really bad idea. As it turned out, it's actually even harder to go down than to 
go up uh, to the top of the mountain. Uh, and uh, many of them, uh, some of them actually paid with their lives. Uh, everyone uh, was injured in the, uh, the process. Uh, bad idea. Okay, just uh, the bad uh, goal. Okay, people adopt uh, the wrong uh, goals uh, uh, all the time. Okay, people uh, choose to engage in uh, uh, risky uh, uh, behaviors. Uh, people uh, apply themselves to uh, uh, study for a profession that uh, uh, they don't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, people invest their resources in uh, uh, relationships that, that that don't work out. And the the study of motivation is mainly about how to um, get yourself to achieve something and how to help people right. to achieve something mm-hmm. with very little thinking about whether they should be achieving that, mm-hmm. whether that's uh, uh, good for them. The, the same tools that we use to, to motivate people to uh, eat healthy foods can be used to motivate people to eat foods that are bad for them. Okay, it's, uh, it's just tools. Okay, it's motivational uh, tools. Uh, whether the the goal is is right for you, whether it's right for you in in terms of your value uh, uh, systems, in in terms of your uh, risk uh, uh, factor, uh, this is uh, uh, often a personal decision. Okay, or a decision that uh, we need to make as a, as a group. Uh, but this is a decision. This is a decision that needs to be uh, conscious, that we uh, need to spend uh, time on. Uh, my advice is uh, uh, not to um, jump into something just because we can. Okay? Uh, mm-hmm. Now, my, my colleagues, uh, Ari Kulansky and, and Tori Higgins, developed a scale that uh, distinguishes between assessors and locomotives. Mm-hmm. And the, the assessors are the people that uh, like to think okay, before they commit. Okay? Is this the right thing for me? Mm-hmm. Uh, they agree with items such as uh, I, I like to deliberate. Uh, I, I like to take my time to, to think about what I'm doing. The, the locomotives, they, they jump into action. Okay. Mm-hmm. They, they say, I'm a doer. Okay. I'm a go getter. Okay. I, I want to uh, get that things done. And, you know, locomotives, they, they achieve a lot. Okay. They know how to motivate themselves and those uh, around us. But if you are very high on locomotion and very low on assessment, mm-hmm. you might be pursuing that. The wrong goals. Okay? You you might be investing your resources in, in in the wrong place. So we all need a certain degree of assessment so that we we fully understand uh, what we we are trying to do. Uh, as uh, ego, I'm, I'm sure we are aware. Uh, every time someone mentions a, a research idea that sounds kind of interesting, you know, our initial instinct is uh, let's do it. Okay, let's start collecting the data, and, and we often need to kind of train ourselves to say, well, now every research project I was ever involved in took years. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know, let, let's stop and, and assess. Okay, let's think about. Right whether there is something that I want to spend my the next few years of my life studying. It almost, almost suggests that like there's something, there's a release when you get to the action stage. Like, because people, you're saying people uh, don't spend enough time typically in deliberation. And well, I, maybe you didn't quite say that, but like it seems like a lot of people would benefit from a bit more time in the assessing stage. Um, but but I, I wonder why people don't like the assessing stage it's just like the cognitive work is 
is more demanding than the actual, once you know what you're doing, it's easier? Is that what's going on? Because there is no progress when you assess. Uh, uh, yeah. there, is, there is progress when you move, okay? right. when you, you get things done. And uh, we really like progress. Mm -hmm. uh, we feel good when we make progress. We feel bad when we don't make progress. We actually feel good when we make more progress than what we anticipated. Okay, So mm -hmm. if uh, I'm farther along compared to where I thought I'm going to be at this point, uh, this is uh, when people uh, feel good. This is the, uh, you know, the... the Test operate, test exit, uh, uh, cybernetic uh, models of self-regulation. The, mm -hmm. the idea that uh, our psychology is a bit like a thermostat, okay, when mm -hmm. we are not quite at the temperature that we want to be, okay, when our progress is not sufficiently fast, and we increase our efforts, we increase our progress, and then we we feel good okay, when. Uh, uh, we make a lot of progress. It's like the, our thermostat got to the right temperature, and then uh, uh, we we stop working. Okay, we we feel uh, uh, that we can uh, relax, uh, uh, and like this progress, this sense of progress or lack of progress, has uh, emotional uh, consequences. Uh, is is very uh, motivating assessment. There is not much that we feel about assessment. Mm. We don't feel progress we often don't feel like we uh, made something useful with our mm -hmm. time when we were we're thinking about what is the best course of uh, uh, action and this is unfortunate that's interesting because you could you could imagine trying to get people to recognize that assessing is progress you know you even though you haven't made anything you have done some hard work in thinking about what you want to do that seems like that would feel like progression but i guess you're saying we don't view it that way uh, yeah okay so you know to, to give you an example let's say that uh, you know you want to uh, uh, cook a meal tonight and you, you spend uh, uh, an hour thinking about mm. what you're going to make mm. and then an hour making it mm. i bet you you would feel like you're making progress in the hour in which you make the meal and not in the hour in which you contemplate what's the best option mm. for it although no, both were necessary steps yeah, yeah i feel that when i'm one of my least favorite activities is choosing what to watch on netflix like it can go on for it can go on for ages and i'm like come on you know this does not feel like progress um and if yeah so um i may i don't cook as much perhaps but um i could definitely relate to that in the netflix context yeah i, I don't also I, I don't cook i like to talk about cooking but <laughs> I have a question, though. Uh, I'm sure our listeners who are more academic are wondering, how does Islet Fishbach stop herself from engaging in all those interesting projects? Do you have a trick, a tip for us? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kind of curious to know how you do that. Uh, uh, I just have to uh, remind ourselves uh, remind I mean, ourselves, I mean, my team, reminding the, the, the person who approached me and me that, uh, you know, uh, this is a long uh, process, and so let's put it aside and see if we are still excited about it the next time we meet. And I uh, very, very rarely collect data based on a, a single uh, meeting. So it's not that it never happened, but usually the right. first time we discuss an idea, we do not collect data. <laughs> we mm. sleep because there's... It. 
there are some other folks whose strategy is don't come to me with a new idea unless you have some pilot data or some initial data to collect uh, that you collected already. There are several eminent scholars who always pursue it this way. Yeah, the the risk with the, uh, this method is that um, you don't get all the co-authors to own the idea. It becomes right. a, somebody's idea, and I'm kind of helping them, but they really they started it without me. Okay, mm. or oh, it was my idea, and they they joined me. Okay, mm, right. as opposed to uh, we think about it together, and there there is much insight that we get from. Uh, um, working together with another person or a group of people. And I, I can talk about that forever, but maybe I should let you ask that question. <laughs> when we talk about ideas um, and big ideas and motivation, there seem to be various factors that influence what may motivate us or why we do things the way we do. On the one hand, it seems to me there's a number of researchers who study nudges, internal motives, self-appraisals of internally oriented factors, what would make me do things in a way that would be most effective and so on. But then there is another group, a different group of scientists who appear to devote their careers to the study of habits, so external structural factors that are less about immediate self-control, at least on the surface. And it seems to me, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Islet, but it seems to me that these groups rarely talk to each other. So in your expert opinion, I was wondering, are there ways to bridge the divide and help towards some kind of broader framework concerning how habits and structures and nudges and internal motives all influence our behavior? Well, the, the work on nudges uh, mainly comes from behavioral economics and uh, uh, economists and, uh, and psychologists that uh, don't speak to each other as much as they should. <laughs> right. right. This is not quite the case for, and I'm at the University of Chicago at the Center for Decision Research that actually has uh, behavioral uh, economists such as uh, Richard Taylor and, and, and Devin Pop and, and Alex Imus uh, with us, mm-hmm. the, the psychologists, uh, people like uh, uh, Nick Apley and, uh, and Reed Hasty and, and myself. And, and so, uh, and there are many more. Uh, right. We actually do talk to economists, but in general, uh, the, there was definitely uh, some uh, disconnect and, uh, uh, like the, the psychologists are often f- more focused on the, the process. Uh, uh, what does it mean to uh, self-regulate? Even when we study habits and uh, uh, like uh, Wendy Woods uh, uh, work, it's more in, in terms of the process, okay, how something becomes a habit. What does it mean for something to be a habit? And uh, mm-hmm. uh, when defines that that means that you're going to pursue it even when it's not your, your goal, okay, you're going to... Uh, eat uh, a popcorn when you are watching movies, even if you uh, don't like this specific popcorn, it's old and stale because that's your, your habit. She has many other examples. Uh, so so th- this is a psychologist work. It's more understanding that uh, the process and uh, what does it mean to um, 
influence yourself to influence uh, others, uh, how uh, goals are, are acquired, uh, how do you uh, set them, how do you monitor progress, how do you manage multiple goals, how do you gather social support, and, and, and so on. And then there is the, you know, the the economist work, which is often there, like the engineering uh, uh, solutions. Uh, uh, so on the, on a large scale, what does that mean? Right. If you change uh, this variable, uh, will that lead my people to save more money? Will that uh, uh, lead people to drive more uh, carefully to uh, eat healthier food? And, and these are often... Uh, like changing something about the environment and, and worrying less about what, what changes in the individual person's mind when, when they see that. I think that there is room for both approaches. Okay, and, right. uh, and that it's good to have a conversation. I hope that there is more conversation. And I, no, I, I think that it's really important to know why uh, interventions uh, work. Okay? That uh, if we get the insight into why this thing works, we can apply it elsewhere. Okay, we can be uh, wiser. Uh, but uh, I'm also, um, I guess, uh, uh, patient and understand that that science is not really an organized. Uh, uh, group of people that uh, divided the work in uh, right. some, you know, meaningful way. <laughs> yeah, we, we, each of us is doing their own thing and, and hopefully we'll, we'll talk more and, uh, and, and, and be a bit more aware of what the other field is doing. But if not, that's still okay. Okay, we're still making progress. Mm. But if I were to push back just a tiny bit, uh, imagine you somebody, who is somebody who's studying social class differences in self-control, and uh, you realize that, well, you know, it's not all about you. You may want to as much. You may want really hard to pursue this goal and do everything possible, and you really enjoy it. But there's just some. There's something uh, that prevents you from doing. It. You don't have resources. You don't have time, and so on and so forth. Um, so. From that perspective, um, I wonder, like, is there a way to somehow um, bring in those insights where it doesn't only become like, it's either you choose to do something and you do it right and you process the information the right way or not? Because it's not, it seems to me that that's often not yeah. enough. And in many societies, uh, especially less affluent societies and less affluent parts of the United States, for instance, that seems to be at least as, as important of an issue as just saying, hey, how about you just change the way you think about your goals or pro choose the right goals or choose the right approach to pursue them? Yes. Yeah, so um, a few things here. Uh, First, uh, uh, it's not just about changing the way you, you think, right? Uh, it's certainly not uh, uh, enough. Right. Uh, you know, we, we are uh, social psychologists. We understand that uh, people respond to their circumstances, people respond to their uh, situation. And so also when we try to influence ourselves, what we do often is not change the way we think about it, it's changing our situation. 
Okay, we pull ourselves from one place and put our, ourselves in, in, in another uh, place. Okay, so uh, no, I think a very trivial example is setting an alarm clock. Okay, I know that uh, it's hard to to get up uh, when uh, the the room is uh, is quiet and mm. my bed is is cozy. Okay, but uh, when the the room is is loud, uh, that uh, really makes it uh, impossible for me to uh, go on sleeping. And so I'm setting an alarm clock. I'm changing the situation. Okay. Uh, we all know that uh, social media is uh, addictive, and so we uh, might choose to uh, to put our phone uh, in some distance, okay? uh, leave it in, in my purse instead of uh, keeping it in my uh, pocket or in front of me uh, uh, in all times. Okay? We are changing the, the situation in order to change ourselves. Uh, even when we change the, the framing of the situation, it's not really telling ourselves be a different person. Okay, it, it, it's not going to be successful if I'm going to tell myself like just work harder, mm. okay, uh, try harder, uh, uh, be more uh, responsible, uh, uh, right. eat less uh, junk food. We know that this doesn't work. Framing uh, uh, is uh, much better. Okay, framing has a better chance instead of. Uh, telling myself that uh, I should uh, work harder, uh, maybe I should monitor my progress in terms of how much I've done uh, versus how much is left to do because we know that when people look back at mm-hmm. what they achieved, they uh, they are more motivated. Uh, we've seen that in uh, several uh, studies. <laughs> then I think another uh, way to, to uh, understand your comment is... Uh, uh, Know how much we should uh, encourage people to um, change their own circumstances to uh, uh, to to try, okay, to uh, to try to do uh, things uh, in a different way, and uh, at which point that becomes uh, uh, blaming, okay, and you know, uh, blaming people for uh, right. for not doing enough. I think that we all agree that uh, uh, blaming is. Uh, uh, is ineffective and, and usually uh, morally uh, wrong. Okay? If someone uh, doesn't do what is uh, uh, healthy uh, for them, what is uh, uh, right uh, uh, for them, then probably their situation was uh, making it sufficiently difficult so that uh, uh, they, you know, they they couldn't. Uh, hopefully, with uh, uh, education, with uh, uh, support, uh, with changes to the situation, we can help people help themselves uh, reaching uh, the, the goals that are, are important for them. But th- th- this does not mean that if you did not do what was important for you, uh, then we should blame you for that. Um, I I wanted to ask... Uh, this is the last question from me, actually, which is just um, the idea of focusing on a goal. Uh, I sometimes wonder, and I'd be really interested in, in your thoughts on this, when we focus on something, we kind of by default neglect something else, right? You know, you, you can't, that's kind of, I guess, what focusing means, you know, lifting something up uh, above the other things. So I just wondered if, like, focusing on goals, um, we, we can sometimes overlook the negative impact that pursuing some goal can have on other areas of our lives. Um, and I, I want, you know, we care about multiple things and they're all sort of interconnected. And I just wondered if there was a, um, 
a way of thinking about it in terms of like a network of things that we care about uh, rather than picking out individual things because perhaps that could be dangerous to we m- might not see those in- invisible uh, ramifications that happen in other areas of our life um, does that make sense as a question it it makes a lot of sense it's uh, very important okay, we always have multiple goals mm. uh, we never want uh, just that uh, one thing and you know when i look at my work on motivation I actually look at you know, how people set a goal, how they select and, and set the goal, how they monitor progress. The third aspect is uh, multiple goals. How do we manage uh, everything else? And then there is a fourth aspect, which is the social support. But uh, a lot of the work that I do and that my colleagues do are on uh, uh, multiple goals, on what does it mean to uh, prioritize versus uh, uh, compromise. And then a lot of the work on uh, uh, behavioral interventions that we apply to other people are that on, on these unintended consequences. Okay, When we encourage someone to uh, save more for their retirement, what happen to the other savings they are those saving less for their uh, children's education right yeah uh, 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 what, what are the unintended consequences of any uh, uh, intervention that's supposed to help uh, people with, with their goals but let, let me talk a bit about prioritizing uh, versus uh, compromising you mentioned that when you you focus on one goal you uh, by definition uh, neglect the uh, the other uh, often uh, this is what you want okay uh, this is usually the situation with self control it's the the ultimate uh, prioritization uh, conflict you want to uh, prioritizing uh, exercising in the morning uh, over uh, sleeping in uh, late okay mm-hmm. you want to uh, prioritize uh, certain foods uh, over others you want to uh, prioritize uh, doing your homework if you're a student uh, over uh, mm-hmm. watching tv Okay, and uh, and then prioritizing makes sense, and we can look at what kind of strategies help people self control. Other times, you want to uh, compromise. Okay, you want to achieve several goals at the same time. Okay, you want to uh, find the right balance between work and family, okay? and mm-hmm. so you want to take your, uh, you know, awake time during the day and think about how you you divide it, or you you can compromise within the, the same action, okay, you, you might, uh, you know, we started with a cookie, you might choose a small cookie, okay, so you uh, uh, you have the cookie and you also uh, don't uh, uh, compromise your health, at least uh, uh, not uh, uh, too much. Okay? Every time you choose the, uh, the medium uh, size of something, you are having some kind of mm-hmm. compromise, okay, mm-hmm. maybe I will buy the know that the ticket to the uh, the game that is not too expensive but also not too far from the court okay mm-hmm. so i get a good view uh, and i uh, get uh, my finance uh, to to be all right mm-hmm. uh, when we we think about compromising uh, then uh, we think about uh, people pursuing activities that we refer to as multifinal okay we often look for activities that serve several goals at the same time uh, in uh, you know, my research I refer to this as, as feeding two birds with one scone because I don't like killing birds uh, but uh, uh, basically this is uh, you know biking to work okay you, you get the commute and the exercise in the same uh, uh, action or uh, uh, 
bringing your uh, uh, your lunch uh, with you to work, okay, which uh, saves money, saves time, probably is uh, healthier. And so we we help people identify these uh, multifinal uh, means. One comment that I want to make about these multifinal means that while they are effective and they really a way to, to pursue several goals simultaneously, okay, like, you know, they, they go on a hike with your family, you spend time mm-hmm. with your family and you enjoy the hike. They often appear lessons to mental for each of the, the individual goals. Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. something helps you achieve several things, mm-hmm. it seems lessons to mental for each of them, which is how come uh, you sometimes see that uh, uh, you know, people are pursuing activities that help one goal and compromise the other. So, you know, some amusing examples are from uh, like marketers that sell us products saying that uh, uh, like this mouthwash is is stingy and therefore it's probably good for your gums or uh, uh, this uh, old uh, advertisement for Buckley's cough, cough medicine, which said it tastes awful and this is why it, it, it works. Mm. Uh, there are also less amusing examples of teenagers choosing a risky behavior because they believe that if that undermines your health, then it's uh, uh, the best signal of, uh, you know, the, the other goal that you're pursuing. If you're trying to be popular and you are like, mm. pursuing your popularity by, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, jumping from the, the cliff, then you mm. are in a way choosing a, a behavior that, seems to be very instrumental for popularity because mm. it undermines your health. Mm. Uh, and, and, and so this is where we, we see some uh, less adaptive pattern. of. Uh, yeah, so in that situation, there, there's no point telling a teenager that this is harmful to your health if, if that actually is the whole purpose of the activity is I'm looking for something to demonstrate my uh, daring do and carefree attitude. Then, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. And, uh, uh, you know, Ariko Glansky uh, uh, writes about uh, this as being the, the fundamental principle for uh, terrorism, okay? that mm-hmm. uh, that you prove your uh, affiliation with a group, okay? your signal of your affiliation with a group by uh, being uh, willing to uh, sacrifice everything else that seems important. Mm. Interesting. God, so it's right. Okay, that makes sense. So, like, so... In terms of a uh, compromise, like the word has a slightly negative connotation, but but you're actually saying we should we should think more about the benefits of compromising. Yeah, compromise is good. Mm. I have a I have a I have a quick follow up question here. Um, Alet, uh, when you are facing with a situation where it's either a possibility to compromise or to maximize, how would you go about to choose? Which one is better? What we find is that uh, uh, people often go for compromising uh, when uh, they want to pursue uh, two goals or more at the same time, Okay, when both are on uh, the same uh, level. when they they want to prioritize it either because it's a self-control problem or uh, uh, it's a, a moral ethical dilemma okay so uh right no uh franklin uh, shady uh, did some interesting work uh, uh, showing that when you 
present dilemma as, as an ethical dilemma. Okay, when, when you think about you know, being an environmentalist as, as an ethical dilemma, or is it part of your identity? Uh, uh, then you don't want to quite seek the compromise between uh, uh, mm. doing something that's good for the environment and doing something that's good for your pocket. Mm. Okay, mm. so you you might think that you should uh, um, drive uh, an, an electric car and uh, uh, buy uh, food that uh, uh, doesn't destroy the environment and everything should be consistent with with one goal. When you don't present this as a uh, an ethical or moral dilemma. This is when people are much more comfortable with seeking the compromise. So, you know, mm. I, I I will do as much as I can for the environment, but also mm. I not spend too much money and like not quite right. compromise uh, my you know, desire to travel the world and so on. Ayla, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. You have a new book uh, that came out um, and we have a link for this book uh, in the... Uh, signature on our website for the podcast and uh, I hope uh, all the listeners uh, can get this new book to get some wisdom about how to get it done. <laughs> Thank you uh, Igor and Charles for having me. It was such a pleasant conversation. Igor, we just had Ayla Fishback. You know, there's a lot to talk about there. Um, anything that really leapt out at you or, or surprised you? Not really surprised me, but I found the intersection of this ideas about goal pursuit and motivation and wisdom quite interesting. We didn't mention Aristotle once, and yet it fits so well with this idea that, you know, for different situations, uh, you have to use different strategies and you have to pick your goals right. It's very Aristotelian, Mm -hmm. uh, in my opinion. Uh, But Mm -hmm. also, it was quite interesting to talk about this distinction how different disciplines mm. approach um even the sa- potentially the same topic but you know economists would think about something that they can change on the macro scale psychologists are thinking that you can change the individual who will in turn will change the situation and mm-hmm. so on and so forth mm-hmm. and uh, yeah i found that uh, quite interesting what about you yeah, I, I, for me, I was, I was interested in this idea about, you know, she, she said herself, you know, so much work on is about motivation and much less work is done on, um, I guess the, what did she call it? The assessing phase and encouraging people to put a serious amount of time into thinking whether they're pursuing the right goals. And it was interesting to know that we, we don't tend to think of thinking and planning and assessing as something that you can progress in. I mean, I think personally, I disagree with that. I will have an afternoon where I'll do a bunch of thinking and I'll feel like I've made a lot of progress. <laughs> um, but um, that was, it seems like you could just reframe thinking and planning as an important part of the activity and you could perhaps tap into people's sense of progress there. But um, Yeah, but yeah. I think that uh, that's not necessarily inconsistent with what she's saying because she's referring to this body of research on... Mm. Uh, individual differences, not necessarily mm. experimental research to that as well, but also individual differences in what people prefer. And so some person may prefer to be this assessor. And for them, that mm. is the way to approach uh, goals mm. and approach self-regulation. And uh, there, if you think about that person, they would be very much in agreement with what you're saying. Mm. Um yeah. I don't see necessarily that there's, it becomes inconsistency if you start thinking about, uh, well, which of them is better mm. or how mm. do you approach in a given mm. situation. But if mm. you think about in terms of profiles of different people, right. yeah. I think uh, 
uh, it's very much aligned with what you're thinking. Right. I guess I'm just I'm just an assessor. I was born an assessor. I'll die an assessor. That's that's just how I roll. Um, I, but I, I don't, don't speak. So. I, don't I don't speak for the whole of humanity, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you have like born and died the same thing. Like uh, that's true. People that's change. True. People yeah, change. Yeah, that's true. Let's hope so.